X and O. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you for the next couple of hours. What a terrific night of baseball. A long night of baseball, but some, uh, well, some... I don't know. It's pretty early to decide where it's going to end up. But we might look back on this night, Trent Condon. You called it the game of the year. 26 runs. It's a lot of runs. It was unbelievable theater. Meanwhile, playing out. By the way, was that John Miller on the call? That was John Miller, yeah. Great to hear him again. How long has he been gone from Sunday Night Baseball? It's been a while, right? Seven years, maybe? Him and Joe Morgan formed the very first team. I think they were the first team on Sunday Night Baseball. Um Certainly a long-standing one if they, they weren't were. the first. And John Miller was, wasn't he originally with the Orioles? Mm, I don't I know. think so, but I could be mistaken. Anyways, uh, enough about the broadcasters. Between the lines last night, just incredible drama. Uh, coming up on the program today, we're going to talk Iowa State. We're going to talk Iowa. Yes, we're going to play the hits. And those are the hits. Uh, Alex Halstead will join us. He's our only guest in the first hour. He'll join us about the bottom of the hour. We'll take a look at uh, Iowa State as they prepare for the upcoming season. Uh, at 11.15 or thereabouts, our buddy David Kaplan is going to slide in. Full disclosure, say it every week. No, you're sick of me saying it. But for the newcomers to the program, uh, Cappy's on the air right now. So, Cappy, we have to tape uh, early in the morning. He's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. Cappy at 11.15. And then uh, Mark Morehouse from the Cedar Rapids Gazette, who we bumped into last week in Chicago, he will join the program at 11.35. So, a busy show coming up. Baseball to recap. Want to start with your twins? I guess we have to go there. Want to start with KXNO, St. Louis Cardinals are within a half a game? Yes, they are. Here they come. Redbirds. How about that? Uh, Chris Archer wasn't very good last night. And and you know what? Uh, Hats off to the Redbirds because they were down 3-0 in a heartbeat as Marte took a... uh, uh, took a Hudson pitch into the left, uh, left field seats, and it was quickly 3 nothing. But let's get to your Twins, because it was entertaining as hell. Mm-hmm. Blanco's the best player on this Minnesota Twins team. He's the all-star. He is. All-star starter. All-star starter, correct. Um, Trent, he does it for the second straight night. We've seen, I was in the first inning, or the first inning, well, it was last night, Tuesday, Monday night, uh, <laughs> that we saw the, the, the Hicks and Cruz back to backers. We saw it again last night in the third inning between that Polanco with that unbelievable double, mm-hmm. that double play that he started in the bottom of the seventh. That was Ozzie Smith like. And they called this guy the wizard for a reason. Um, Well, that was a fun game last night, Trent. It didn't go your way as a Twins fan, Mm -hmm. but this Yankees team, man, they have so much depth and so much power. And Aaron Boone, when he called him, we got a bunch of savages in that batter's box. How appropriately said. And they're still not completely there. I mean, this still is not the team that you're going to see in October and how scary that Mm. is. Now, the Twins bullpen is completely depleted right now. Yeah, it is. They're in rough shape. They released three different guys now over the last couple of weeks. They're going to be making some kind of moves. Well, it's a week from today. Get on the horse. I, yeah. I think sooner is better than later. I would later. proact rather than react to right. your point. Zach Littell, who I think found kind of a role. They sent him back down just because of usage and, and trying to get some fresh arms up there. They brought up a kid last night, though he got through unscathed. Mm-hmm. Wasn't exactly the prettiest of outings in his two innings. Fire, yeah. 
Cole Stewart came in to pitch the 10th. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I kind of like Cole Stewart. He yeah. goes up to Yankees are so they stinking are. good. I they just are. There's not a whole lot. There's not a lot of different ways that you can turn. One place not to turn, Blake Parker. That guy stinks. Yeah, he's, he, he's been game. terrible all year long. He is, uh, as soon as he came in, I sent you a text. You did. It was I a was pile of crap. Yeah. And, yes. and you, you were uh, uh, absolutely right on the money. Uh, Aaron Hicks last night. Oh. So if the ball gets down. Yes. I, it for sure scores two. Yes. I think we, we don't know which way it's going to go, but mm-hmm. that might have been the. I mean, that might have cleared the bases, Trent. It was Garver, your catcher, that was at first base, but okay. two outs, the jump that he had. Here's the thing. It was a beautiful play. Oh. It was unbelievable. I, I was standing as the ball was in the air, right. got off the couch, and uh, dropped right back right. down. And, and was kind of not mentally exhausted after watching that much baseball as we went on five hours of baseball last night. But Aaron Hicks didn't have to die for that baseball. I don't think he did either. Uh, certainly looked good when it he made did. the dive, It though. did. That's one of those. I think we've all done that, especially maybe after a rain or you'd take that dive and you're just diving out there in the grass and trying to make it look yeah, good yeah. when you really don't have to. That was one of those out of Aaron Hicks against his former team. And the trade for John Daniel Murphy. I don't remember the trade. He was uh, with the Twins for what, three years? Three, well, three, four, with the two? actual Twins, not not nearly as often. Right, but yeah. He was spending a lot of time in Rochester, New right, York in AAA. He was on the, ros- on, on the roster. Well, so. he hit a couple of home runs against the Twins, so they thought he was going to be good. Hmm. And that's the former regime. There with the general manager with Terry Ryan and some old school thinking, giving up on Aaron Hicks. He was a, he won the game last night. Yeah, I mean they got some other contributions. Don't get me wrong, Judge was unbelievable. Gregorius was. Oh. I mean, what was he five for five and drove in seven, seven. last night? So it's hard to say that one guy in, in Hicks who yeah he had a he had a bomb but the, but the yeah but Gregorius was the player of the game last night. What am I thinking? I'm trying to make a case for Hicks who was really good. But without Gregorius, this game is nowhere near the game that it turned out to be. Yeah, it was exhausting. It really mm-hmm. was. It was exhausting. How long did you make it? Uh, well, I was back and forth. I, mean, I made it to the end of the game. Yeah. Now, I didn't mean I didn't make it in my chair. I uh, you know cashed it and turned the sound down and um, and, and watched it till the end. But man, oh man, oh man. That's baseball. Those are the fun nights, and there's one part you're in love with the robot umpire. You yeah, want that to be I part do. of baseball. Are you coming around after what you saw last night? Last night it was awful. Yes. I mean, it was about as bad mm-hmm. as you're going to find. But both ways, to yes, be fair. Yes, right. yeah, this, this wasn't just a twins thing. Right. The guy really struggled. Ramon De Jesus, who is Dominican, the first mm-hmm. ever Dominican umpire okay. To get home plate, it was his. Now he's not a full time MLB ump. Oh, he's a, a vacation ump. Is that why he's that up there? He is, and he looked like a vacation ump. He's got a long, long ways to go. Yeah. He struggled with the strike zone, and even with that, I still don't want robot no, I umpires. Know. I don't. I my team, quote unquote, got screwed a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I still don't want it. I, I still. What is that box exactly? Like what part of the box? It you clip a corner of it. Strike. I just. There's something about it I don't like. The ball doesn't have to go in the middle of the cup as long as it drops to the bottom. <laughs> that is true. Um, I don't know if, it, if I. I don't. They're, they're going to go forward and are going forward. What is it? The Atlantic League, right? Yes, yes. They that, are, they've made the decision now that they're going to stick with the robo umps until the end of the season, which I guess is probably Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we'll see it in our lifetime, Trent. I think we will. Do you think some so? Fashion, yeah. Maybe your lifetime. I'm a little bit older. Um, 
but I get that it would take away a big aspect of the game. Yes. It, it really would. And and for that reason, maybe I'm a little bit over the top in my belief that it's time for it. But it's just, it's the egregious ones. It's the, oh my God, how can you miss that? That was a foot outside. Yes, those ones. Right. And And you see those, you know, every game you watch. And they're human. I get it. I guess it's tough to concentrate, you know, on every single pitch or whatever. Um, it's your job. You'd like to think you'd be able to do it, but I, I, I get frustrated. I get frustrated. Sure. So I, I think I saw now this number is from the MLB Umpires Union, and I saw some pullback from it, but they get ninety eight percent of the ball strike calls correct. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yes. Pretty good. Yep. So can you live with three to four that they miss throughout the course of a game? I, I know there's. Some that come in depends, big moments. Yes, I was going to say, depends on the circumstances. When are, when, uh, when are the misses? Is the miss in Game 7 of a World Series? You know? Yeah. Um, Much like we saw the NFC Championship <clears throat> game with the football there side. There you go. And they've changed it. Yes, uh, because the, NFL referees, for the most part, are really good. But two guys missed a call. Yep. And look what happened. team a Super Bowl appearance. No question about it. And because of that, a change. And more than likely, that's probably what's going to lead to a change. Is something in a big moment. Mm. Not... Game 105, like we saw last night. Not something like that. It is October, NLCS, and all of a sudden, the Cubs aren't going to the World Series. Right. And I'm not sure they are, Trent. And uh, David Kaplan and I, you couldn't make it in for the interview. You had uh, uh, daddy duties and certainly understandable. So I talked to Cap. He makes some, well, he always does, but uh, he went through that roster and... um, it's a good piece. It'll come your way in an hour. I don't want to tease it too much, but it's David Kaplan on the loss last night by the Cubs, who have now lost, what, three straight? They lost on Sunday, getaway day, and they've lost the first two uh, to the Giants. They battled back last night. Look, you, Darvish, who was on the uh, on the bump last night, starting pitcher for the Cubs, Trent, in his first three innings of work, it, he had thrown 33 pitches. 11 pitches an inning was average. Of those 33, 25 were strikes. 25 out of 33 in the first wow. three for you, Darvish. He had it going on. And then, sadly, it's not a three-inning game. Mm-hmm. The fourth inning comes up next. And, you know, has, has been the uh, situation with his career so far. In, maybe, him and Quintana, maybe Quintana's a little bit worse, but he had a bad inning. He fought back. He made it through six. The Cubs fought back, tied up the game, but then lost it in extra innings. Here's the deal. This Giants team... They're on one of those historical rolls right now. They really and truly are. We talked about it, I think, Monday. Yeah. Uh, just that we're both kind of happy that, you know, the Bochi's going to go out. Not a guy that's, you know, September, the doldrums, get through the end of the season. This guy deserves to go out. Even if they don't make the playoffs, the fact that they are right back in it now and in the wild card is a remarkable, uh, remarkable turnaround. I don't know what the Giants are going to do. I mean, they were about to hold a fire sale. How can you? As Andrew Downs said to me when he, because he came in and taped Cappy for me, um, he doesn't think that these teams going to. He, he believes they're now in the buyers category. <laughs> right. I mean, how quickly it can turn comes completely the other way. And we talked about the way this team was set up. It, it almost felt like they were going to give it one more go with Bochi, mm-hmm. give it one more try. They went out there. They and made got some off moves. To a terrible start. And those are, for the most part, ones that you can't... You know, a lot of managers, if it wasn't Bruce Bochy, would have been fired. Yes. With what yes. what they went out, what they did, right. free agency-wise, how they were trying to make Lit- the go of it for 2019. Listless, Trent. They were yes. listless. But they didn't. No. Nope. They stuck with Bochy, and I don't know how. You look at the pieces, Pablo Sandoval. Mm. Hadn't been relevant in seven years. He is now. 
He's yeah, had an way. unbelievable month. How about Yastrzemski? You don't. You're not yeah. old enough to remember pops. I, are I you? don't. Yes, but Boy, uh, remember, or not pops, grandpa. Yes, right. But remember the conversation and oh, people talking God. about him is just this guy that. I mean, he was one of those icons. He was. He was one. He was probably. I had two guys. I had Mickey Lolich, pitcher from the Detroit Tigers, not Danny McLean, who was the ace of that staff, won thirty-one games. Lolich won the World Series in nineteen sixty-eight for the Tigers as they beat the Cardinals. He won three games. Started three <laughs> games. Mickey Lolich did. Uh, but he was my pitcher, and as a kid, Yastrzemski was my everyday player. Uh, I really didn't have a team. Of course, Montreal wasn't there yet. Toronto yeah. wasn't there yet. So, you know, growing up in Canada, we'd see, I don't know, not a lot of baseball, but you certainly knew about It's crazy. You know, I sports to me was the newspaper. Yeah. And it was the newspaper a day after because mm-hmm. it wasn't a morning paper for us. We would get the, the paper at 5 o'clock at night. The afternoon paper. The oh, afternoon yeah. paper. That's what we got with the Waterloo Courier. And just dove into it and just completely ensconced yourself into it. And that was, there's no sports center. There's no, you know, there's local news, but, you know, how much time are they going to devote to? I don't even remember. But it's just so crazy what the world, how the world has changed. But Yaz was my guy. And to see his grandson now coming up <laughs> and, and playing a pretty big role with this team. Uh, this Giants team, they're fun to watch. Cardinals are the uh, Cubs today. John Lester, look, the, there's a reason that the, every team has a stopper, and that's to stop a losing streak, and that's John Lester's role, uh, role on this team. Um, Wilson Contreras comes back today. I have not seen a corresponding move to I this point. I have not either. I didn't even uh, speculate on it with Cappy because... You know, we'd just be guessing. I would have to think Descalzo's maybe in that conversation. Brad Brock. I mean, is it time to outright that guy? Well, he's hitting, but he's batting a buck eighty. He batting a buck eighty. Oh, Dica- Descalso. Yeah, I was talking about Brock and just getting ready. Yeah, to I don't know if you can get rid of a pitcher if you. Uh, <sighs> I, yeah, Brock was bad last night, and um, yeah, Brock was bad last night, and but he is, yeah, he's hit and miss, isn't he? Yeah, he's hit and miss. No, he's he's more miss than uh-huh. hit. He's uh-huh. awful. His ERA is over six now. Mm. Gave up another one last night. Of course, the walk off. Now, they were trying to stretch him out. They were trying to get more yeah. out of him because it was an extra innings. But seemingly every time I flip him on, it's terrible. Yeah. You know, Cappy brought this up, and I didn't realize. All right, this is the last thing I'm going to tell you about the Cappy piece. It's an hour from now. We're Tyler Chatwood. I haven't seen him in nine days. Really? Nine days. It's been that long? Yes, it is. It is. Huh. I forgot to ask him about Zobris, but it sure feels like... Ben Zobrist is not walking through that door anytime soon. No, no. I, I think that, not completely off the table, but... Boy, certainly is moving towards that. Yes. And, I mean, and we're at the end of July. I, I was, when we were in Chicago last week at Media Days, when I was driving back and was listening to the score for a while, and they had a, just a cut-up piece with Theo. Mm-hmm. I think it was, maybe it was, I get, regardless, one of the front office guys, but that's what they said about Zobrist when the, the question was brought up, was... We have to make that decision soon. Right. If a decision isn't made here in the next week or two. Well, Zobris, I think, could help, would, would certainly make that decision for them. Are you or aren't you? He's been radio silent, though. He too. has. He has. Joe Madden said he hasn't even been texting with him lately, giving him his space. Look, everybody's different. Everybody goes through personal issues differently, right? Yes. We get that. I've never heard of anything like this before. I am never. right there with you. I. Yes. I'm sure it would be awful. Mm hmm. Have your wife cheat on you, right? And in that's that the fashion. case. That's the case. Now we don't. I, I have no idea if he was. I, I don't know. Right. We're we're more speculating. Well, here. We do know. 
we think we know. It's rumors. Uh, Juliana, I think that's her name, didn't come out and say, "Yeah, I was running around on him." Yeah, we just know. We just know that you know from what we read, and seemingly there's. Uh, but I, I thought the same thing with Tyree Kill. So tap the brakes. I yeah. thought he was gone too. Uh, he's never going to play again. Um, that that proved to be proved to be more to it than that. But just the whole. It just seems different. It's just different. I don't know whether he's going to come back. Cubs need to do something. They need to address the bullpen. Apparently they want another everyday player. Look, Schwarber at the top of that lineup. You know, we all get, we all seem to overlook Schwarber hitting 226 at the top of that lineup because every couple, three days, he's going to blast the crap out of a ball, right? right. A Schwarbaum. And Twitter's going, he's going to be trending on Twitter. Oh my God, he did it again. Did you see how he crushed that ball? And then he's going to go out the next night. He's going to go over and he's going to do it again the next night. And then he's going to hit another one. We're all going to get excited about a Schwarbaum again. He's not a leadoff hitter. They don't have a leadoff hitter. No. They haven't had a leadoff off hitter in a couple of years. You know, the guy that's probably best equipped with the current construction to be the leadoff Javi guy. Baez. If, even Javi doesn't get in on a great clip. His on-base percentage is 320. Mm-hmm. That's not what you want out of your leadoff no, guy. No, better, better than Schwarber's. But, it it know, is. You know. But you want somebody in that 370-plus range. The, the guy's on... I don't know, stole a couple group. of bases last night. Javi did. Stole second. Promptly stole third. Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant. Those are the two guys that you would say... But you don't want to take them away no, from RBI that's, opportunities. That's just it. And Rizzo's been a good leadoff hitter. They have tried. They've tried Almora. They've tried Bryant. They've tried Schwarber. They've tried Rizzo periodically in that spot. I think we're probably missing some guys. Zobrist, when he was yeah. here early in the year, uh, probably was in that position. Um, did they? Has Russell been there? I don't know. Addison Russell's. Um, Addison Russell needs a change of scenery. Yes, he does. He, in a big way. So they got Russell. They got. I would guess Ian Happ, who's down here, who's probably going to be, is more likely. Tommy Birch feels the same way. Birchie's with that uh, team every time they're at home. I respect his opinion on this, on a lot of things, but certainly on this. Birchie believes there's, there's a better chance that Happ is traded as opposed to getting called up by the Cubs. What kind of return would you get? Well, he'd for... be part of a package. Yes, yeah. a package that includes Ian Happ and Addison Russell. Yeah, you're giving away garbage. So you're going to get another team's garbage. Back, you're right? not. You're not yeah. going to get a impact kind of guy. You're not going to get. See, I think it's too early to give up on Hap. Personally, I agree. I with like that. Ian Hap. I, I was surprised he got sent down. I'm more surprised he's been down as long as he has. This felt like initially when it happened, it was going to be a couple of weeks working mm-hmm. a couple of things, and he'll be up by May. Right. Well, it's, it's almost the end of July. <laughs> we're, we're looking August. We're right a in the week eye. away from July being. Well, on our last day of July. Right. And here we are. Yeah, that was surprising. Now, there were plenty of conversations that Ian Happ certainly didn't handle it the best being well, sent down. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I, he probably, and I can understand why, thought he'd earned his major league, his uh, his right to be in the majors, mm-hmm. if, if there is such a thing. Uh, I, I was stunned by it. I was stunned by it. They kept the scalzo. And Descalzo got off to a decent start. I remember when they signed him th- telling Cappy that, you know, why? Why? This guy's like, you got you got Descalzo on your roster. And then he got off to a good start in April, making him think, well, they know a little bit more than baseball than you do, Ken. <laughs> uh, but subsequent to that, he's been atrocious. Russell is bad. Bodie is slumping right now. Can't get rid of Bodie. I'm not suggesting that you do. Almora's really good in the field. And every now and then, what's he got, 10 bombs, 9 or 10 yeah, bombs yeah. this year, something like that? Every now and then he's going to uh, you know, uh, get a hold of one and... Um, but he's not 
the center. The, I don't know if he's the answer at center field. No, I know I it defensively is. Long term, I don't think he's right. the guy. I, I think there, there's a big-time upgrade available there in that position. It just doesn't look like this team, the way it's built today, is built to win a World Series. Does it to you? Not with that bullpen. Not with the inconsistencies of the offense. How many starters can you trust? If Hamels comes back and he's Cole Hamels, and we'll too him and Lester, not Hendricks. No, you can't trust Kyle Hendricks. I can't. I, 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 I'm not feeling good about that being my game three starter. Well, in a playoffs, Kyle Hendricks going into the All Star break was I thought they rushed him back because yes, originally yes. they were going to wait till after the break. They brought him back. There was a game that got delayed. Was it might have been in Pittsburgh, and then another one prior to. I think he started the final day before the break. I, I like Hendricks more than you do, so I I've got confidence in three now. Darvish when he's on, yeah. I mean the first three innings of you Darvish last night, Trent, were as good as you're going to see out of his 33 pitches, 20. 25 strikes. It's not bad. Efficient. Yes. Good. You could tell from the get-go he was locked in, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And he still gave him six, which he was did. important, too. Absolutely. After that bump in the road, how many times have we seen that go completely south and he's not able to get out of the fourth right. Well, Chatwood today, if Lester, I don't know, they're probably, I mean, obviously we want seven, eight out of Lester mm-hmm. if they can. This is a good Giants team. So I would think that if, they're, if Tyler Chatwood's going to get, you know, Another opportunity, and it's been nine days. Mm-hmm. Today would be the day because that bullpen's been taxed the last couple. Speaking of Javi Baez, mm-hmm. over the last month, hitting three hundred four leads the team in hits. Eight doubles, five homers, 16 knocked in. Know how many walks he has? Oh, jeez. <sighs> He's played 24 games over the last month. Um, <laughs> Three? One. <laughs> He's walked one time. He struck out 27. Yeah. Walked once. Yeah, he's he's the he's the most fun player to watch in baseball for me. He's good. He's unbelievably dynamic. So fun to watch. All right, coming up on the program, we're going to talk Iowa State. You and I, you know what I just realized today, Trent? At some point, maybe to lead off the 11 o'clock hour, I'm not going to, we're not going to go on records who's going to win the Cyhawk game. I want to find out, here we are the 24th of July, what kind of game is it going to be? Is it a low-scoring game? Defenses dominate? Offense is going to be able to score some points. I know what this is. I got it figured out already. You've already got it? Oh, yeah. I'm anxious to pick your brain. And we'll do that at some point today because it is the biggest game in our state year after year. We are a week away from July being over and camps being opened, and we'll take a little sniff at trying to figure out how this thing is going to be uh, played out. And then when it is played out, uh, we'll look back on July the 24th, and oh my God, were we wrong about that one. Ah, uh, but that's what we do. We kill time in segments here in the month of July, and it's Miller and Condon. We will have Alex Halstead join the program next from Cyclone Alert, part of 24-7 Sports. We're here until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Powell, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Portions of the program brought to us by Dr. Stephen Fuller. He's my dentist. He can be yours if you're in the market for a new dentist. It's been a while since you've been to one or you are new to the area. A couple of locations, Fuller Dental, 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines and 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. FullerDental.net, patient forms. You can get all that stuff done ahead of time. Uh, get to your meet the staff, etc., and get to the appointment that you feel necessary.
necessary. Uh, they can do it all. FullerDental.net. Let's talk clones, shall we? Mark Morehouse will talk Hawks in about an hour from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. He's 24-7 sports. Cyclone alert Alex Halstead joins the program. Alex, Trent, and Ken, how are you? I'm doing good. Getting through the final days of the offseason. I think a, a week from tomorrow, Iris State has media day. And nice. From there, it should be football straight ahead. It's on at that point. So I guess it's just what, between now and then, maybe some recruiting news will trickle in. That would probably be the extent of it. And it's not – Daniel Jackson didn't trickle in. That kind of dropped with a uh, – uh, that resonated a little bit. This is a big pickup, this receiver from San Antonio, uh, the second guy they've got from that area. And the offer list is certainly what catches your attention. Tell us about Jackson first of all. Yeah, Daniel Jackson's a kid that, you know, six foot one, two hundred and ten pounds, and so he can play inside or outside and he's been at the top of Iowa State's wish list for quite some time. You know, you go back to early June and I was, you know, trying to go through kind of who their top guys were and he was always kind of at the top of that receiver position. He's a guy that they've had two receivers in this class, their plan has been to take three and they've been waiting on him before they really proceeded with anything else and that weight, weight paid off, like you said, Sunday with the commitment. He picked Iowa State over 14 other Power 5 offers. Uh, in June, he took visits to Arizona State, Iowa State, and USC in that order. And uh, so they beat a school like USC, TCU, um, schools that have obviously produced good receivers as well. So that's a major pickup for them, one they really wanted. And a kid that, you know, at a position that could always play early, and especially I think uh, they feel he's one of the best inside receivers on their board. And uh, like you mentioned, second kid from San Antonio, and there's a third kid from San Antonio that they're still after, a safety named Mason Chambers. And uh, he announced last night that he will make his announcement Saturday, and I think I received some good spot there. So it's possible that they, by the end of the weekend, could have three kids from the San Antonio area. Another commitment for this class, the second quarterback to commit from Northwest Iowa, Hunter Deckers. Saw he pitched his team to the state championship last night with the victory at West Sioux. And with it, he's continuing to rise up the rankings at 24-7 Sports. What's the latest you're hearing on Deckers after his performance at the Elite 11? Yeah, he's had a big three months or so. You know, when he got into mid to er, or early to mid-May, he had no FBS offers. You know, his offers were FCS schools, mm-hmm. South Dakota State, UNI, schools like that. And then you get to mid-May, and um, a non-Power 5 offer trickles in, and then all of a sudden it's Purdue, Indiana, K-State, Iowa State. And so he went from you know, basically not even being on the radar to having all these Power 5 offers, gets invited to the Elite 11, and then down there, 24-7 sports, ended up ranking him as the number 8 quarterback out of 20 quarterbacks there. And you're talking about guys who are 4 and 5 stars for the most part. Um, And so he held his own there, and uh, yesterday the top 247 came out, the summer update, the post-camp update, when they can kind of sit back and look at what they saw, especially at the opening and the Elite 11 and it paid off for Deckers. He's now a 90 at 24-7 sports, which is a four-star. And, uh, you know, he's, I think, the number seven dual-threat quarterback in the country. And uh, it's kind of crazy to go from what he was in May to what he is now. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, then also pitched his team to state uh, yesterday. And uh, this fall, he'll try to become the first quarterback in state history to pass for 10,000 yards in a career. So mm. could be a busy year for him. Let's talk about the cornerback position because when you, you, you know, bring up the Iowa State defense – 
the the the, the defensive line they've never had much uh, as much depth as as they do now. Mike Rose is now a sophomore, a true sophomore, and he's put on weight. Spears is going into his senior season. Over the last three years, honestly, if you take the whole body of work, and I know Willie Harvey had a really nice career, and Joe Lanning was part of that for you know in Spears' sophomore season, but I think Spears has been the best linebacker overall in that uh, during that time period. So I, I'm convinced the linebackers are absolutely legit. But here comes the but. Brian Peavy and DeAndre Payne, who are really good corners, are no longer there. Now it's Datron Young and Anthony Johnson, who apparently the staff has a lot of faith in. We've seen them both. How big of a drop-off, or will it be maybe not as big as some people perceive it's going to be? they got some good quarterbacks in the Big 12. They're going to chuck the ball all over the place. How big of a drop-off from Payne and Peavy to this year's group? Yeah, that, that's a good question. This is the first time in several years that this has been the question mark. It's the secondary because, you know, going back for quite some time, it's always been the linebackers, the D-line, where you've looked and going into the season, those have kind of been something that's been a bigger question. You've always had kind of the blanket of a PV who the last several years for sure has been considered one of the top corners in the Big 12. Uh, it's a drop-off in terms of experience for sure because you're going to two guys that are you know, going to be sophomores and have started to combine, I think, seven games. Um, one of them, Anthony Johnson Jr., I think, started four games and Dayton Young three. So they've combined for seven career starts at that cornerback position. And that's probably the worry more than anything else is they just don't have experience. Although they did get tested in games like Texas and, you know, down the stretch in Big 12 play because of injury. So um, from that, that vantage point, it is maybe a little step off, but Matt Campbell has said, especially on Anthony Johnson Jr., that he's maybe the most talented corner he's ever recruited and coached. So he's got high-end potential, probably NFL-type potential, if he continues to develop. But the question is, you know, he's a true sophomore, and, you know, is he ready to kind of keep, keep taking those steps? And I think bigger question than Anthony Johnson and Daytron Young is what's behind them. And that's oh, what sure. Matt Campbell said. Maybe their big question, because can the guy behind them, Tavon Kyle, a young guy, uh, Keontae Jones, a young guy, uh, all these guys behind them are basically all underclassmen as well. And so if one of those guys gets hurt, which Dayton Young did last year, do they have a guy that can step up and start? And Campbell said that and Sam Linebacker are probably the two biggest questions on defense. Well, speaking of that Sam uh, Linebacker spot, at least at this point, what you have out there with Will McDonald mm-hmm. uh, making the move, it's just it's so crazy. A guy goes from defensive line to linebacker. It is so rare. He's a physical specimen. I know you covered him also when he made his verbal commitment to Iowa State. Bring us in a little bit more and tell us more about a redshirt freshman that did see the field a little bit last year. He played four games, right, didn't he? Did. he? Yep. Yeah, played four games. Obviously, the, his one of like the first plays was a strip sack against TCU, and that got people excited. And Iowa State wanted to keep playing him, but they also didn't want to burn a year when they had the depth that they did on the defensive line. But I asked Matt Campbell you know, when they thought he could play linebacker um, and he said maybe maybe mid-spring they thought it was actually a possibility. So it's not like they recruited him thinking they were going to switch him, but they think he's really athletic at 6'4", 230. I think eventually they'd probably like to get him up to 240 pounds. Um, but they see some similarities in Willie Harvey. I think he's got a, a bigger frame than Harvey, but in terms of his athleticism, he can do different things in terms of going to coverage or come off the edge. He actually probably brings a little bit more of the edge um, threat because of his you know play at defensive end. And, uh, you know, I talked to Matt Campbell about that, too, and he likes to throw around the word multiplicity, and that's a thing that they could switch between three or four-man front, you know, as his career goes along. 
that's one big thing, though, is that I don't think they want to throw too much at him right away because, you know, right now you just kind of kind of go basic with him and get him into that linebacker spot in the Big 12. When you look at his career beyond or maybe even later in the season, they could start to do more things to be more creative with him. Um, you know, you guys mentioned Marcel Spears before. He's probably been one of the best coverage linebackers in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. If they can get out that on the other edge with uh, Will McDonald, you know, that defense should be in good shape because that's really the big question up front um, between the first two levels of defense is seeing linebacker. But they really like McDonald, and it sounds like they really like Chandler Pulvermacher as well. Uh, another retro freshman who's going to be battling him in camp. Yeah, one of the best names in yes. uh, on, on that defense, Pulvermacher, built a, our name to be a linebacker. And here's the thing: well, and it's a fair point. I'm glad you brought that up. Maybe depth behind the two starters uh, at cornerback, Young and Johnson, is more of a concern than the two guys will get the starting role. But there is depth at the linebacker position. I mean, we've seen this time last year, everybody thought it was going to be Orion Vance, and we were raving about it, or at least we heard raves about Orion Vance. Mike Rose comes in as a true freshman and wins the job. Uh, Jake Hummels played significant uh, amount of time in his Iowa State career. So there is depth at that linebacker position as well, isn't there, Alex? Yeah, there is. Matt Campbell said he feels like they have four guys who could start You know, between Spears, Rose, Nance, and Hummel. And so you got four guys there. And, you know, I, it, I, it's kind of something I've always wondered is would they ever move Hummel to the other side? And I think they just like him where he's at, and they really like the possibility of Will McDonald. But they do feel like they've got four guys right now. They want to see Pulvermacher and McDonald become those two other sure things because Campbell really at the linebacker position likes to have six guys who can go and play. I think we saw last year it helps a little bit. There were times when people would, you know, tweet at me during games and say, why isn't Spears out there? It's because they like to rotate more because it keeps guys fresher. And so they think Hummel is a, a starter-level player, and so they are comfortable taking Spears off the field at, a t- at times to put Hummel out there and keep them both, you know, pretty refreshed. So um, they'd like to get to six. They feel like they're for sure at four right now. Joined right now by Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. As you go through next week, you'll get media day, get to hear from a lot of the players, of course, a bunch of the assistant coaches along with Matt Campbell. It's been a long summer. We've talked a lot. Alex, what question do you still have? What are you still trying to figure out as we get uh, ready for camp? Yeah, one of my biggest questions, and I think I've said this to other people, is I, I'm not sure if we'll get an answer until they get into actual games, but I'm really interested in what this offense is going to look like because we've talked so much about you know, it was week six before they started installing anything for Brock Purdy last year. Campbell said they never did really any installation offensively for him until the Oklahoma State game. And so, you know, you talk about, first of all, Purdy didn't get to campus until last June to learn the offense. They didn't install anything for him until, you know, close to midway through the season. So now you've got a full offseason, a spring ball with him. You know he's the guy. So they've had time to develop a whole offensive round him. You bring back Tom Manning from the NFL who worked with tight ends, which is something they're talking about they really want to – use maybe double tight tight ends and uh, flex them out because they lose Hakeem Butler. Um, they have a five-man race at running back. So there's just so many things offensively that they can try to do that could look different. And so that's kind of my biggest question. And they've talked about how they're tinkering with things and they're trying things, but uh, they're not really telling us a whole lot publicly. So I don't think we'll get that, that question answered in the fall uh, until the season starts. But that's probably one of my biggest questions uh, going into, into uh 
Paul Cam. Yeah, they're keeping it uh, under wraps that they're going to utilize the tight end a whole bunch more this year. Um, Allen and Kohler combined to catch 18 passes last year. If we doubled that number, and I know you're not going to be able to bet on props regarding Iowa State or Iowa in the state of Iowa, but if we doubled that number to 36 out of the tight end, would you take the over or the under? That's tough. Uh, the biggest question there is obviously health because I think there would have been a whole lot more if Chase Allen hadn't got hurt last year. I think he had five catches in the first six quarters before he got hurt last year, and then obviously there was a gap, and then they got colder, and he only ended up with like 11. But um, I'd probably take the over. I'd say between 30 and 40 You know, right now. Just until we really see it, it's hard to say it's going to be a whole lot more than that. I mean, I could see it being quite a bit more than that, but at the same time, I think we've talked about this the last couple of years. And so now it's kind of a combination of, one, can they both stay healthy, and then, two, do they really utilize them that much? But I think you look at the last couple of seasons under Campbell, they've had five or six pass catchers with 20-plus receptions. The only two guys you probably know for sure over that, that total this year are Tariq Milton and uh, Deshante Jones. And so that leaves maybe four other guys that can catch 20-plus passes. And uh, if those don't all come from a receiver, then a couple have to come from tight end. And so just by virtue of where the targets are going to go and where uh, the numbers have been the last couple of years, they're both in line to be 20-type 20, 20 catch guys. Uh, but it's going to be a matter of time before we really see if this is actually the year it happens. Alex, over to a little basketball before we run out of time. Is the 2020 class still without a commitment? It's summer. The calendar's changed so much, though, in college basketball. I thought I saw last night, I think it was maybe Jeff Goodman was tweeting a lot about these new evaluation camps and the players that are there. It's not a great way to kind of evaluate these players. What are you hearing on the basketball front, not only with Iowa State, but as a whole as we go through this new period? Yeah, it's been slow so far. Iowa State did get out and recruit the other week. I think they're back out now one more time for the summer before they really kick into gear before their trip to Italy. Um but it's been pretty slow. I mean, there's targets out there. I think, obviously, Xavier Foster and State is probably getting closer to trimming a list. And once that happens, then you can start talking official visits in the fall slash winter, depending on a timeline. And that one could kind of move forward. I think, obviously, it's certainly in the mix for him. Um, wing down in Florida, Dudley Blackwell is a kid that they've been on for quite some time, was supposed to visit officially last fall. Ended up not making it, but they've continued to be in on him. Um, those are probably a couple of the names that they're in better shape with just in terms of as they get farther down their lists, they're still in the mix. But, you know, it's still kind of that period where I think once we start hearing who's visiting in uh, late August and especially for the first few games in September, then we'll have a better idea of what they're doing in 2020 recruiting because in years past, you know, those first two or three football games is when they brought in their official visitors. And that's kind of when we kind of get a feel of these are the guys they're for sure in on. And that's, also a lot of times when some of these commitments have happened. So I think we're still a few weeks away from that, but that will probably give us a better idea of what this looks like. But it's been slow, and it feels even slower than, than years past. And I think some of that is this slow-down recruiting period um, that limits the evaluations a little bit. Well, we know Rasir Bolton is there. We don't know if he's going to be able to play. But my question is, Alex, is, and I know you don't know. Nobody knows at this point. The NCAA, I'm not sure they know at this point. But we've heard, at least football-wise, that there's a better chance of getting that immediate waiver to play uh, instantly or, or gain um, immediate eligibility is the term I'm looking for, if they have an attorney with them. Do you know if Bolton's hired an attorney, the family's hired an attorney to go through this process? Because apparently stats bear out that it does help the process if indeed there's legal represent or legal counsel uh, with the student-athlete. Do you know? 
Uh, I'm not for sure on that. I knew I do know the family's been heavily involved in that process before, so it certainly wouldn't shock me. Uh, program hasn't really gone into much detail on that. He did say this week it has officially been filed. They're now kind of in a holding pa- pattern, just kind of waiting and seeing. Uh, he thinks it'll be three to four weeks. Uh, he can play in Italy. He will go with them to Italy and will play in the games. Um, and so they're kind of over there trying to play with the guys they think they're going to have. I think they feel like there's a decent shot here, but they're just kind of waiting and seeing. I know they put a lot of time in, and you know people kept asking why haven't they submitted it yet. They really wanted to make sure it was as solid as, as the case could be before they sent it in. And it's sent in now, so now they're just kind of waiting. Good stuff. Uh, Alex Halstead, uh, Cyclone Alert 24-7 Sports. We'll talk to you on the eve of Media Day a week from today. Thank you very much, Alex. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Trey Jackson, your Capital City League MVP. Was he now? The incoming freshman. Did you get over to a game you didn't, did you? I didn't make it, unfortunately. It right next door to your house. I know, I know, and I just, I couldn't get there. Uh, Sundays, eh, family time, it is tough. I get it, I get it. Uh, So when was that announced? Earlier today? Uh, Last week, I think. Yeah, it was. I think the championship was over the weekend. So good to see one of the freshmen Mm -hmm. that don't know a ton about. No, no. No, this isn't a class that is littered with McDonald's All-Americans or anything like that, but... Grill comes in. He was a guy that was... Shooter, right? South Dakota State. Uh, well, then you looked at the other teams that also were involved with right. him. As uh, as Otz was trying to get him to go to UNLV, but other big programs got involved. They got him. Luke Jackson from down in Florida, kind of that stretch floor guy, four guy. And uh, Marcetus Leach, who I'm just so intrigued by. He's really skinny. This guy was a top 40 player nationally mm-hmm. when he was a youngster. A lot of injuries in right. high school, but if you can tap into that... Class could be pretty good. Uh, we'll take a time out, come back, finish the hour. In hour number two, David Kaplan joins the program in about 25 minutes. We will talk Chicago sports with Cappy, uh, focusing in a big way on the Cubs. His trade deadline is a week away. And then uh, Mark Morehouse from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. We'll talk Hawk football with Mark. That's uh, coming up at 1135. Miller and Condon till noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460.